Owen. Hello. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Pleasure. Really excited to have you on today. We're just going to give a bit of a brief introduction, mm-hmm. um, share a little bit about your background, and then we'll get into the discussion, which I'm really excited. Um, it's been great um, that we've kind of kicked off this partnership. And so I'm keen for our audience and our listeners to understand a bit more about the background, what you've achieved as a business person, and now founder and managing director of AIR, and also kind of your perspective on sales. So thanks for being great. here. Great. Pleasure. Good to be here. Awesome. So um, Owen Richards is the founder and managing director of Air Marketing, yeah. uh, an outsourced sales company based in Exeter. And you have individuals that drive leads and pipeline creation for software companies uh, and other fast growth companies in other markets. Yeah. Um, you've had experience building uh, a similar type of business in Australia before moving back to Exeter with your family, settling down and creating this business now, which is having an incredible impact on the industry. Um, so I, I'm excited to kind of learn more about how you add value to software companies from the air marketing um, perspective. Okay. Um, so, you know, as a, as a founder um, and also as an individual that on a day-to-day basis, your service is driving the success of other companies, um, I guess that brings a lot of responsibility. Um, so I'm keen to kind of unlock some of those stories. But just to kind of break the ice, um, and we're, we're here now, is, is, what, what, what have you been most excited about today? That's a good question, actually. Um... So probably the thing I've been most excited about today is, well, we had a new client win today, which is always nice. So it's a good way to start. Practice what you preach. Congratulations. Um, But I've actually spent the morning consulting with somebody I'm a non-exec for. Um, Completely different different industry to what we do, but a tech business um, that I'm helping uh, consult into and helping the founders to get it off the ground. They've just had their first round of funding, which is fantastic. Um, They they were aiming for a million. They uh, they thought they closed it at 8.50. A couple more people came in and it looks like they'll close it off at 1.5, which is great. So um, them getting more people coming in after thinking they were going to close and seeing the potential next steps for them being much bigger and better is, is something we spent time on today and they're into that now that sort of planning stage of what do we do with that how do we make sure that we scale faster with that extra cash so that was quite an interesting and an exciting conversation today so i've been actually spending time on someone else's business this morning good it's nice i'll give you a break gives you perspective gives you a different angle and it just takes you away from doing the same thing in the same bubble every day Great. yeah fantastic um, thinking about day to day, you live mm. in Exeter, your family's based in Exeter, your business is based in Exeter. Mm. What's the first thing you generally think of when you wake up? Um, I'd love to say that I was one of these people that wakes up and thinks about the business immediately, but I think having a one and a four year old probably <laughs> restricts that a fair amount. So. Uh, typically I've got one or both of those in the bed next to me and I don't have the opportunity to think about anything other than who's going to climb on my head first. Um, so yeah, I think, look, you know, I've, I'm very much wired that I'm a dad first. The business is important to me. Um, I'm very driven. I'm very ambitious. Um, but I'm a dad first. So that's my first port of call. I won't pretend that I don't check my emails. Um, we've got an Australian office, so I'm working 24 hours a day, um, or can be working 24 hours a day. So I tend to be picking up things coming from Oz and that sort of stuff as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's straight on, straight into parental duties. Make sure that uh, make sure that we're all set up and ready to go for the day. Because the, the sooner I can sort the breakfast out and that sort of stuff, the sooner I can get into uh, to trying to make a difference to to the business and um, and to workplace. But 
I think like any other founder, it's there, isn't it? You're, you're excited to get on with the day. You're thinking about what you're going to be doing in the day and um, quite big on schedule. I like to know what I've got coming up in the day and okay. be thinking and, and planning ahead for that. Amazing. Um, you've had a successful career uh, and then you took the decision to found your own company. Mm. Where did the inspiration or motivation come to actually take that step, that brave step? Yeah, it's funny because... I think for years before I did it, I was talking to my business partner um, who runs always the MD of the Australian business that, that, that we, we're a part of. Um, and it had been very much a case of, can you set up a UK office for us? And I think because I spent so long in that business, I didn't know any different. Um, and it was always a yes. And it wasn't until I moved back to the UK, took some time out, worked for somebody else. And I realised that somebody else could do that as well. And I started to think, hang on a second, I can do this for myself. Um, I've always been ambitious, but I think that the environment that I was in had, had restricted that, 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 that risk-taking, maybe that creativity. Um, and there was a moment working for somebody else where I went, I can do that better. Yeah. I know I can do that better. Yeah. Um, and I think I needed that. I needed to go work for someone else and do something else to get that confidence um, and a different perspective. And then we were in London at the time. We moved back from Sydney, uh, moved to London, realising that we didn't want to be in London and we wanted to, to, to move to Exeter was the moment I went, right, I'm not going to go to Exeter and get the salary I want. There's absolutely no way now is the time. So I guess it's, a, it's you know, they say ducks in a row. It's a nature of the way that life falls sometimes, isn't it? It just felt like the right time and the right place. Amazing. Well, mm. I'm, glad to, um, I'm glad to see the success of that decision, right? Mm. And I, I think you must be enjoying now seeing... Um, your business scale, uh, and I'm keen for our audience to understand a bit more about how you add value in the market. I guess thinking about sales, though, yeah. you know, you 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 provide a um, you know high quality service to help other companies grow their business. Yeah. You know, you're driving lead generation, you're driving operate uh, op, uh, op opportunity mm. creation. But why sales for you? Where did that come from? How did you get into sales? Good question. Um, so my first sales experience was uh, was in sixth form okay. at school. I had an evening job selling timeshares. Wow, so, timeshares at well, sixth form? Well, not timeshares. Um, like the, you know the, the old, yeah, it was timeshares, like that. you've won a holiday to this kind yeah. of place, you filled in a survey type thing. I, I can't even remember the name of the company, but it was blue and dodgy, I'll tell you that much. But a couple of my mates that played for the football team at school found this job and it was it was good money and you could go work in the, the, the evenings phoning into consumers and um, telling them they filled in some survey they definitely hadn't filled in. Mm-hmm. And I went along and immediately caught wind, this, this is dodgy, this is not right. But um, first day, people were sitting and getting one or two people booked into this thing and I got seven or eight. And I had no idea how, no idea why. And that was my very first experience of sales. I think I lasted in that job about a week and a half because I, 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 I ethically it wasn't the right thing to do. But yeah. that was my first exposure to sales. But that always stuck with me because people were going, well, how can you do that? And I'm saying, no idea, just doing it. I didn't think anything of it. Um, and then when I moved to Australia, we traveled for a year. Again, sales wasn't on my mind at all, um, but we ran out of money very quickly traveling, had to get a job. And I found this part-time telesales role for a, 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 an outsourced telesales agency. Same thing, turned up, didn't know what I was doing, but found that, that, that I engaged with people well over the phone. So I, I, I can't claim to have um, designed it or chosen sales as a career. I think like many good salespeople, I fell into it. Mm. But there was something in there that I was capable of doing that over the years I've learned to understand why and how I did that. But it certainly wasn't by design. It was an accidental um, uh, turn of fate. It's interesting you bring up that mm. point of like understand how you do it. Because yeah. there, there is an element of talent and potential yeah. when you first fall into your first mm. sales role. 
Um, often, though, how you develop and how you become successful isn't always obvious. No. And it's no. only as you develop your career um, that you get a deeper understanding of yourself yeah. and what, yeah. why certain ways you communicate or your approach things make you more successful. So just focus on that and thinking about the steps in your career that you developed. What additional behaviors, approaches made you more effective than maybe your peers or made you more successful than others? I think um, emotional intelligence and the ability to, um, so you think of a sales call, you think of, you know, I've got the, 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 the pitch, I've got the introduction, the pitch, I've got the questioning, I've got the close, all that sort of stuff. The ability to, to, to not do that bit. So yes, we all know that's there, but to actually have a, a genuine connection with somebody. And a conversation. Uh, yeah, and, and, and uh, certainly listening skills are something I have developed over the years. I probably wasn't great at that at the beginning, but I think that ability to get people to open up to you, to talk to you. So on the phones early, I would get people saying things to me that you probably wouldn't get the typical person to, to open up about, but there's just something in that engagement that, that, that makes them feel that they can trust you and that they can open up to you. Um, I think one of the things I've always been is inquisitive. Um, I'm very curious as a person. I ask, like to ask lots of questions. I like to understand things. Mm. So naturally, when I was talking to people, I'd ask lots of questions. And I think where a lot of people um, would naturally go, I'm uncomfortable. I either need to close or get off this call or stop asking questions. I'd just ask another one um, and, and you know, let people talk. And, and that definitely worked in, in my favor in the early days. But that, again, that's uh, something I've learned to, to use. Yeah. Um, as a tactic now, but was very accidental in the early stages. So, so thinking, you developed that understanding, and now mm. you, you know your um, one of your main objectives building the organisation in the way that you service other companies that are growing sales mm. is to find highly effective, high performers on the phone. Mm. So what's your criteria for identifying the right profile of person to join Air Marketing yeah. that's going to make your business and the business of your customer grow sales more effectively? Yeah, good question. I think um, personality traits and styles are really important in that. Um, so for me, you're looking for somebody who's coachable yeah. because... People that have been in sales, I often get asked, how, how long have you guys been in sales? And actually, if they've been in sales 10 years and they haven't been trained by us or somebody who has the sales philosophy similar to us, it's gonna be very hard to change that person's habits. So I'm looking for people who are moldable, who are coachable, who are open and, and, and curious. People who culturally fit within our business and stand for the values that we do. Um, I think that's important regardless of skill set because you can train the skill set in, but if they don't stand for those things, it'll never work. So um, talk about people who are, who are relentlessly positive, mm -hmm. you know, you need to be in sales. It's hard not, you know, it's hard, or it's easy to get dragged down when you're being rejected all day and you're not winning deals. You can go a day and speak to five people or two people or 10 people and everything's a no. It's easy to get down about that. So um, definitely that positivity piece. And then, yeah, I'm looking for somebody who's upbeat, who's positive, um, who, who really is hungry. Um, but that key thing is that they're coachable and they're moldable and they're open to change. Because right. in a startup or a sales or a fast moving environment, you've got to be accepting of change. Yeah, that's very true. Mm. Um, so for those that don't have an understanding of air marketing, yeah. Uh, can you just give an explanation of the value air marketing um, adds to fast-growing um, sales organizations and companies? Sure. So um, 
I guess clients use us for a number of reasons. One would be that they haven't got an outbound operation set up at the moment. They're going into a new territory. Um, maybe they're at startup phase and they uh, the founder's been selling a bit, but they need to now scale revenue. They've had some money um, and they need to scale. So rather than hiring lots of people and you've got to find a manager to run that team, mm. you've got no press processes, no systems in place, you can fast track that and do that. We've got all those things. So that solves that problem of time, even if that's temporarily, it, it, it may be something that you merge into an in-house team in the long run. Um, so that's that, that would be one scenario. Another scenario would be where you've got headcount freeze or you've got you know, an office in London, you've only got so many desks or uh, maybe you want to benchmark your internal team. Um, maybe you want to test a different way of doing things. Mm. Um, so I guess there's lots of different scenarios where a client would use us. The end objective is revenue, right? It's driving revenue. Um, and, and we can adopt proven processes that, that, that our clients are already using in-house or we can help them to build and design that. And, and that very much depends on the end user. It's amazing. I think what's been exciting understanding more about the air marketing value proposition mm. is how you can add value so early on yeah. in a, a technology startups growth because um, often particularly VC backed technology mm. companies don't necessarily have the experience skill set or the ability to attract actually effective yeah. sales leaders and the fact that on you know very early on you, you can turn on air and start generating more leads more opportunities more revenue mm. while you're trying to design and define your own sales organization for me as we've talked about and that's where we see the opportunities yeah. that's a really powerful um, and I think maybe kind of misunderstood value proposition in the market it is, and you think about the, the the time it takes and the energy and the effort to set that up. And you've you've you're a founder. You've come up with a new piece of technology, a new idea. You're innovative. Maybe you're a techie. Maybe you're just an ideas person. But chances are, you're not necessarily the best salesperson. Mm. And if you are, it's not going to be you selling it. So there's all sorts of problems to think about. How do you scale? And it can take you months and months and months to build that team and to get it right. Yeah. And you're not going to get it right first time. Whereas we've got those proven people and those proven processes there. And that's that's an exciting phrase. For us to get involved with as well so I really enjoy that piece of, of, of what we do for sure. I love that it was interesting I was just thinking about the question you asked last mm. night about at one of our events we had um, Daniel Disney yep. who um, I guess is world-renowned mm. for his advocacy of social selling um, for you, what what tool matters most in uh, in in the sales floor? Uh, <laughs> I'd be lying if I didn't send a phone. Really, wouldn't I? <laughs> <It's a trick laughs> question. I if I'd have said something else, you'd have been really worried. I was going to cut if we didn't deliver on that one. If he says some kind of sales technology, <laughs> we're in trouble. Yeah, look, I'm a, of course you, you you've got to use um, all of the tools that are out there. Not all of them, but but you've got to use a set of tools that are going to help and. Um, the world has changed. We're not in an environment where you can just pick up the phone and make sure. sales. You can, but it's not going to be the most effective way. Um, you know, if a salesperson is not using LinkedIn, they're not going to be able to, in a B two B environment, yeah. which is what we typically work in. Um, they're not going to be as effective. It's as simple as that. But but you know, you know me well, and uh, I'm an advocate for the phone. And I'd say it day in day out, just pick up the phone because um, you know people will will look for every reason not to do that and. I don't know about you, but certainly if somebody phones me and I can take that call, I'll take that call and I'll talk to them and I'm engaging with them, I'm giving them a chance. But I get a lot more emails that I ignore than phone calls and I ignore, I tell you that much. Yeah, and I absolutely agree. It's, do you know it's funny? Because I've, I've just been realising as a, as a founder recently, um, I guess, you know, I'm on lots of people's mm. prospects list now. 
and I, I, I'm, I'm acknowledging, I'm, I'm almost encouraging now to take more phone calls because yeah. I still take so few. Yeah. When the world, even when I was, because I worked at LinkedIn, at LinkedIn, most people are on LinkedIn yeah. and on email, right? So um, now we're driving our own sales organization. Obviously, we've had a lot of success working yeah. with Air as well. So that's been great. But having that, um, like that ability to pick up the phone and make that call is so important. Yeah. And even when I'm... I'm even sometimes a little bit difficult with people on the phone, especially if it's a poorly delivered yeah. pitch, if it's not personalized. Um, but ultimately, every single person that picks up the phone, and I have it and I see it, mm. I will answer. Yeah. And there's your window of opportunity. Yeah. Whereas there are many, many emails that I will just ignore exactly. until I get that follow-up. Yeah, and look, you know, both work at different times. I think we were at an event last night and somebody was talking about that, that the phone doesn't always work. Yeah. Email doesn't always work. Sure. LinkedIn doesn't always work. Um, and people behave in different ways. But I think there's something about the phone that people are scared of. They, there's something about a verbal rejection versus it and, and, and someone ignoring your email. It's nothing that you never see it. You don't sense it. You send that email, you forget about it, off it goes. And, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of building, you know, massive cadences, lots of ideas, lots of technology involved in that. But ultimately, you've got to have that conversation. In a B2B space, you've got to have that conversation at some point. Totally so it doesn't matter how good a technology you have, how personalized it is, how much research you use, how many tools you have. When you get in front of somebody face to face or you're speaking with them on the phone, it comes down to the two of you. The relationship that you have, the conversation that you have, that will win or lose you the sale. Um, and I can do that bit. Without technology, it might be harder to get there in the first place. But once I'm there, that's what matters. Do you know what? It's just dawned on me, thinking about technology founders again, is when you grow up in a world maybe of writing code, mm -hmm. developing um, technology solutions for major business problems, and you've done all of that over email, yeah. and you've had all your communication with your team, maybe even probably with investors until you get a face-to-face, it's almost that there's the lack of self-awareness that mm. those conversations at volume now need to happen to scale your business. Yeah. Yeah. And that is one of the most exciting things I think um, for AIR going into 2020 is that let's remind everyone that conversations drive the business. Yeah. Yeah. And the most effective conversations, yes, are face-to-face, -face, but it often will start um, or need to happen on a phone before mm. you can get that face-to-face -face meeting. And I think we do need to be encouraging people, while email is still very effective, to use email to get an opportunity to have a conversation. Yeah. In person or over the phone yeah. or via some form yeah. of web solution. Yeah. And you think about it, you receive an email, I've received one this morning, is it okay if I phone you? Just phone me. You've got my phone number. And I get that from staff as well. Oh, is it all right if we have a conversation about this? Could I give you a call? What time's good? Well, now I'm reading your email. If you'd phoned me, I'd have answered it and we could have spoken about it. So yeah, I, think I like that. It's not just in sales, it's across It's the funny, world. one of the things I've been using is, um, I've been using a lot of voice notes, mm. even internally um, with our team, and because um, it conveys the excitement yeah. and the energy yeah. and you know the happiness or the enthusiasm. Mm. And an email will never do that, even mm. if it's perfectly scripted yeah. and personal. Personalized, it's never going to convey convey that. Yeah. Uh, I often joke. Um, there's a lot of debate around kind of you know cold, cold calling. For me, mm. everything's a warm call. Yeah. If you're speaking to another human being and hopefully they're breathing, mm. um, watching B to B, you would hope they are. You know, they should you be really done something wrong if they're not. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And while you know there is that uncomfort for potentially people receiving multiple calls a day. At the end of yeah. the day, if you have if you have a genuine solution to solve their problem and it's the right target mm. 
um, prospect or person, then you've got an opportunity to develop business. Yeah, look, what do we care about? We care about our numbers, we care about being successful, and um, there's never been a top-performing salesperson who's not able to be good on the phones. That's the reality. So, you know, that you can the argument stops there, and, and realistically, we all agree that you've got to use multiple channels, multiple yeah. tools. There's, you know, anybody who's not seeing it that way now is 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 yeah, well and truly outdated but the phone will always be one of the most if not the most pivotal part of the sales process in a b2b environment where you've got a reasonable size sales value amazing love that um is there a book that you read or is there yeah is there a book that's inspired you or that you you know you kind of hold as as added value to your career or business do you know what um i read for pleasure um, and my uh, my business um, consumption of information tends to come through videos podcasts those sorts of things um, yeah. and I've always differentiated those two and when I do read about business I tend to read leadership books rather than sales books um, not because I know everything about sales I don't but because um, nowadays I'm more of a leader and a manager than a salesperson um, I spend more of my time trying to lead people to, to manage salespeople than I do actually managing salespeople myself um, so um, there are some books that stick in in my mind things like gung-ho by Ken Blanche a really good book about building a togetherness amongst a team and getting people um, within an organization to be singing from the same hinge sheet. So whether you're the cleaner, the janitor, or the top salesperson, understanding that everybody needs everybody to be mm. successful. And I Love really that. like that, 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 um, that message. I think there's a film about it. I've never seen the film, but those things stick out for me. But in terms of sales books, look, I can't, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to claim I've got one that really stands out. Sure. It's, it's listening to people um, who have been there, done it, been successful, talking verbally, and that's always how I've enjoyed consuming that kind of information. Great. Um, and if individuals are thinking about um, developing their sales skills or their sales career, yep. what advice would you have? Do you know what? One of the things that, I get asked that question a lot, one of the things I always come back to is internal relationships um, and um, buying into the company and the organization you're working for. So being selfless, the, the, the salespeople that I've worked with that have got the furthest have always been people who have put the company first. They wanna be successful, they're hungry, but they're not prepared to stamp on everyone else to get there. So there's something in the way that you are, in your DNA as a person, that you genuinely buy into the product, to the company, to the mission of that organization, it will elevate you. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not in the short term, but in the long term, the, 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 the extra time, energy and effort will make you stand out amongst a, another group of salespeople and you're adding value to your colleagues so your colleagues help you more. Um, it massively helps your internal brand then you have people recommend you for another job opportunity and all that sort of stuff. So yes, it's about numbers. Um, but I think it starts with you and mm -hmm. something within you as a person. Um, so yeah, I think that's something I'd, I'd, I'd definitely to give us a piece of advice. Well, that segues nicely into when you talk about within you. Mm. Um, where, where have you found or how do you think of your own confidence to be a leader? Mm. Where, does, where did you develop that or how do you develop it? Um, I, I think... Again, you know, consuming information, reading, and um, wanting to be better at what you do. I think you, you, you're either hungry to, to, to learn and to be better or you're not. And I've always um, listened to other people. I've always asked good questions about what can I do differently. So 
I think managers that think they are perfect and can't say to somebody that reports into them, hey, what can I do better for you? How can I help you more? And I've always, I think I've always asked those sorts of questions and been, been hungry to want to be better at it. I think confidence, I'm lucky enough to be reasonably confident anyway um, as a person and I've always backed myself. Mm. I've, I think I've always had that trait in me. Um, but I guess I, I've always valued feedback from people so I've, I've sought out that feedback and that's been really useful for me in my career. Great. Um, thinking about your own well-being, thinking a bit about your career before being a founder or while being a founder, has, has there been any particular challenges or hardship experiences that you're comfortable sharing that you've overcome mm. um, uh, to put you in the position that you're now in? Um, I think the first year of AIR was the hardest year of my life and I always go back to that with people. So um, you're starting a business, you want to go, go, go hard and go early. Um, unlike we're a service business, unlike the tech space, people don't want to put money into an unknown service business in the early stages. So I you know, didn't start with a huge amount of money um, and I took every risk I could possibly take and I, um, I did everything. You know, you unblock the toilets, you make the sales calls, you, uh, you do the, 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 the admin, you do the payroll, you're doing absolutely everything. And um, I did that at a time where my first child was two months old, we launched. Um, and uh, I look back on that and I, there's things that I'd have done differently, for sure. I certainly didn't spend enough time in the evenings with him and that sort of stuff, but um, but I had no choice. I wanted this business to get somewhere and I really felt like this was important for our future. But I was so stressed and carrying so much anxiety and so much weight as a human, I got ill all the time. So I probably had, I'll call it man flu, but probably had that 10, 12 times in the year. Mm-hmm. I caught every bug going around and I was dragging myself to work and just, I, I was, if I wasn't there, the business wasn't going to work. But geez, it was painful. It was really hard. And that year of my life was, um, I changed as a person. It was really stressful. And there was a trigger point where I went, I can't keep doing this. I need to start delegating that. And, and look, part of that is organic because the company grew and you need to bring part, people in. Part of that was a simple say for looking after myself. So if I kept doing this, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. Um, so look, I brought that on myself. I'm lucky enough, touch wood, to have never had uh, massive negative dramas in my life that were out of that control. And that was a choice. But um, yeah, it was a difficult year and, um, and I had to make some smart choices because you, you can't keep operating mm. like that. And I was letting people down around me, family, colleagues. They weren't getting the support they needed, the time from me, um, the input from, from, from me. So I had to, to look for other ways to, to solve that problem. Well, thank you for sharing. It's often not um, you know, spoken mm. about the challenges to make that transition and, and make the success of a project that you believe mm. in and a company that you believe in. And it's not surprising now um, you know, the, the quality of service and the value that air marketing has added to the industry because it's come from your drive mm. and you've talked a, a lot about your journey today and that's been really interesting to hear, so thank you. Um, just um, just uh, two more questions mm. before we wrap up. So the first is, um, thinking through the experience that you shared, how, how do you take care of your well-being and your mindset day-to-day now um, while you're navigating between family, work? Yeah. So I, I, um, I run. Okay. Um, that's my... Um, you know, that's my piece because uh, the rest of my life, I either spend time being a dad, a, a husband or, um, or the boss, which is a really hard situation. So people are always looking to you for things, for support, for guidance, for help, whatever that is, or, mm-hmm. or just to do the dishes. It doesn't matter. There's always something that needs doing. Um, and I find that when I'm running, 
that goes away. I don't think about work. I probably do occasionally, but typically music on or podcast on or whatever it is, I'm not thinking. I'm not having to, nobody needs me to do anything in that time. It frees my mind. Um, but I'm also, you know, I'm not afraid to say that I, um, I put family first. I have set times in the day where I, um, I don't work. So I go home from work at a reasonable hour. I live a seven minute uh, walk from the office, which is great. And that was by design. That was a lifestyle choice for, for my well-being. And the, I love the, that, the by the way. Family. That's my aspiration. A few yeah. of my friends that run companies in London have done that. And for me, oh, it creates huge efficiency. Life-changing. Gains. I've done the London commute, but life-changing because I can walk out the office and know that I'm going to see my boys in 10 minutes. And it's, it is amazing. Or, you know, my wife pops in at lunchtime. We go and have lunch together. It's really, it makes such a difference to life. But that commitment to say, do you know what? I could stay in the office till 10 o'clock at night. Of course I could. But I'm going to go home at a reasonable hour, give the little boys, um, give them the, their, their dinner, give them a bath and bed, and then the laptop comes out and I do the work. So I still do that late night stuff, like most founders, I'm sure. But I, I protect that piece of my day every day that I can. Um, so unless I'm going off to an event or there's a, you know, there's a, something that comes up that's, mm. that's urgent, um, you know, not, not long after five, at some point between five and 5.30, I am home. Um, which is so invaluable, and I spend that time with my boys. Phone mostly goes away, you know, we're not always brilliant at it, but phone goes away, and I protect that time. So those two things for me, that running um, piece and physical exercise, and, and um, that has a massive impact on me physically and mentally, and protecting that family time. That is family time, that is work time, and being very disciplined with that makes a massive difference to my life. Amazing. Um, so is there a final thought or perspective that you want to share with the audience before we wrap up? Jeez, that's a big question, isn't it? It is very broad. I do that on purpose. (laughs) Because then no one can come up to me afterwards and say, (laughs) I didn't get to talk about this, James. So no, what's on your mind? <laughs> Jeez, there's lots on my mind. You know what? I think, look, let's let's think about why people would be um, watching this. They might be looking for um, some learnings from my experience, maybe to avoid some of the mistakes I've made. And I, I when I'm talking to, to, to people, um, whether I'm giving a speech at an event or something like that, I always take a tack, which is what have I failed at? What are the things I'm not good at? Because everybody can stand, or anybody can stand in front of an audience and go, I've done this well, this is really successful, that is. But actually, running a business is really difficult. Being a sales leader is really difficult. So let's talk about the things you shouldn't do and let's talk about maybe some of the failures. And I think one of the things I've learned in the last 12 months, which I'm talking a lot about at the moment, is the ability to identify when something's wrong. Mm. Um, I've carried the wrong people in our business for too long. Um, We've not addressed um, systems and process changes that needed to fast enough. Maybe we've not been agile in a number of situations. but I think the, 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 the lesson that comes from me over the last year or so is to make sure you've got people that challenge you in your business. And um, I think if, if, if you think about vice or things that you, you get right or wrong in a business, that people you surround yourself with in and out of the business is so, so critical. Being able to have people that can say, do you know what, Owen, you're wrong. Um, and yeah, I think it's important to, to, to make sure that you, you are brave enough to bring people into the business that, that think differently to you, that will challenge you, that will ask why you do something, um, and that are prepared to discuss your failures. Because as a leader in a sales environment, you should be discussing your failures. Um, so look, I hope that's a piece of advice that somebody, somebody might take from this. I like that, um, and I think, be useful. I definitely, I think that'd be something that we can build on and mm. share at some other events. Uh, Owen, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank Great. you very much. Thank you. Good to see you. And uh, excited um, to hear and understand the journey that Air Marketing is going to be on in 2020. Thanks. Thanks.